I'm all excited to introduce our next guest because there's a lot going on. My inbox, in fact, is filled up with things from the <laughs> Mankato School District. So it's appropriate to have in the studio the superintendent of schools, Mankato School District 77, Dr. Paul Peterson. Good morning, Paul. Thank you. Good morning to you. It's great to be with you again. I uh, always appreciate coming up to talk to you about what's going on in the school district. Well, let's talk because I have this week, <laughs> uh, my box is full and just one came this morning. Let me see the latest one I have. It says, please see the following information regarding a masking mandate for our building that will start on Thursday, January 13th. And that's from the East Administration team. Now, so that's from East. So right. how widespread is that mask mandate in the district? Yeah, that's going out. Thanks for asking that, Karen. That's going out to everybody. Um, okay. For for East High School, West High School, Central High School. Um, our COVID numbers, and this isn't a surprise to probably your listeners, um, it's just been a matter of time before Omicron um, found its way into the front door and, and spread. And uh, if people are wondering if, if kids and staff have it, you bet they do. And so, yes, um, we... Um, kind of readied our principals last week and said, this is very likely, so make sure that we're uh, getting some communication ready so when we have to pull the trigger, we can. And so this morning, um, all three of our administrators at all three of those schools uh, communicated with family. So I'm glad you got it. Yeah, and, I got it. Uh, and that will start tomorrow. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that that's a temporary deal. People are talking about Omicron being maybe a, a fast wave. Yeah, and, and surging through and yeah. hopefully, yeah, hopefully and, yeah, leaving. And we're, and we're very thankful and fortunate that appears that kids are um, um, it's a less severe you know form of COVID but uh, we want to do everything that we can and you know masking is a is a piece we know it's not the only thing but uh, our high schools have been just in recommended masking for almost the whole year East went through a little requirement uh, right around homecoming time in the fall but this will be the first uh, at all three of our schools where we're gonna at least be in in those masks for a couple weeks have did the uh Elementary students, did they have masking all along? Yeah, el elementary's been masked up since um, okay. the start of the school year, and um, and the, you know, and, and we do take questions from time to time about, hey, when are the masks coming off? And you know, we we <laughs> as soon as we can, uh, we we will be making that decision, and our school board will be talking about that. But we're, uh, as Dr. Osterholm says, we're in the middle of the blizzard, the Omicron blizzard, and. Uh, um, and so MAPS is, is taking, you know, appropriate action. I, I wasn't surprised because the, the day before I got notes, this is to inform you that your son has been identified as a close contact to one of, uh, in one of their classes of someone with the COVID. So, I mean, right. that's what I've been getting a lot of, too, from, from the school. So, and, you know, last year, when it initially started in 2020, if you'd been exposed, you were supposed to stay out of school, too. That's right. Yeah. And and um, the, the letters, the, the letter that you're describing, I mean, those have been flying out of our schools no for, doubt. for weeks. And, and so people's inboxes are getting filled with, hey, yes. your kid was a close contact, which to the point where you know, you, you run the risk of people just kind of it washing over them, like, right. oh, another close contact. Now, the good news is if they're wearing a mask or if they're vaxxed, um, there's really nothing for them to do other than monitor symptoms. And if they if, if it looks like they're getting sick, keep them at home and get them a test. But uh, we do try to, in our, our school nurses, our health offices, they are working. They're not working completely around the clock, but darn close at contact tracing and um, getting those messages out. And we we know that it's a lot for parents, but we also don't want um, a parent to come back and say, hey, uh, there th that, that would have been nice to know if, if something would have happened in my kid's class. And, and as the volume continues to increase, that's uh, 
just shows how prevalent the, the virus continues to be in our community. When did it change before when somebody had been exposed to someone in a class when they were recommended not to come to school that basically you can come to school just to know know about this and watch for symptoms? Yep, vaccine was a key. Vaccine, yep, okay. Vaccine, yep. As, as soon as students were eligible to be fully vaxxed um, with two shots and then that 14-day, and now we know that a lot of our students are, are eligible and, and uh, getting the booster, but um, that's really the, the, the close contact. And, and um, unfortunately, we know that vaccinated students and staff, people who have taken all the steps, are still getting this bug, and getting this, uh, the, um, the Omicron variant. Um, so we got to work our way through that. But that's, that's really been the game changer. Whereas last year, if you were a close contact, there was no vaccine available. Right. We really needed people to stay out. Um, and, and the key to the original coronavirus and that, then Delta and then all these variants is all the asymptomatic spread. Right. You know, it'd be one thing if, uh, if it was always symptomatic, but a lot of uh, well, people Well, they say, isn't it, it's, it's transmissible a couple of days before you actually feel symptoms. Right, right. So, yeah, it's a sort of blind, blind yep, to know yep. that. And so then you're counting, you're going from, you know, when you received or when, when your positive test, you go back a couple of days. It's, there, there's a whole lot of uh, figuring out to do when it comes to how long people need to be out or, or when they should test. Are you getting, since this came out this morning as a school, maybe principals or others or yourself, been getting calls from people complaining with why do we have to do this? Already. Yeah, you bet. That that message, I think, went out in our high schools by 830. Yep. And I think by 845, you know, I I, I wouldn't say that my inbox was filled, but um, but we have our our um, folks who have been concerned about masking. That have wanted it, right? Wanting it. And then also on the other side saying, you know, what in the world are we doing to our kids? And so this morning, as soon as I think East, West, and Central maybe coordinated when their messages were going to go out, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, I was receiving (laughs) messages from people who oppose masking. Right. um, Like, oh, here we go again. And what's the effect? And why are we doing this? And, you know, are, are you listening to the science? And uh, the effectiveness of masking. But but then in the same vein, the last few days as our cases, and, and we've been watching our cases as they were trending upward, we were hearing from our public saying, hey, are you going to do something with your high schools? Are, are you going to mask them up? And, you know, that that had already been in discussion and we were working on those plans. It's just a matter of when we were then prepared to make the announcement. And You're that was danged if you do and danged <laughs> if you don't, you know. And, and I've heard on the the reports that more schools, uh, a lot of them coming back or didn't come back from right. the break because they the, of the surge. So those kids are maybe still online or ones that are now turning to go online. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've said this publicly before. It's it's not the best way to teach kids. So what are the, the thoughts on that? Is is that a possibility or where are you at? at well, that? It, it, it's always a possibility. We never want to say never. Um, we will be communicating with families today again about those contingency plans. We we want to do everything we can to stick with our commitment of in-person, uninterrupted learning. That means kids going to school five days a week in front of teachers. We know that's the absolute best. We also know in the last week, though, we've had to shut down probably a half a dozen individual elementary classrooms oh, because okay. that classroom spread is just something that um, we need to get um, we, we can't allow to continue on. And so those students have gone home. The teacher has gone home. Thankfully, Omicron, you know, we're looking at a five-day, and if you add a weekend in there, we're hoping that that nips it, and then right. those people will come to school, uh, back to school. So we won't be looking at a prolonged distance learning environment. That idea of shutting down a classroom is a little trickier 
at the high school level because the student isn't with that. Well, they're in every <laughs> classroom yeah. in the school. Yeah, they have much. seven periods. They're they're yeah. moving and shaking around. So, I we we truly do believe that the the keeping our doors open will be predicated on making sure that we have enough staff to well, supervise. How, and how teach. is that going, by the way? Because you know we hear about in healthcare the staffing is just dust. You know, desperate pretty right. much. And how is it going in the schools? Would you have a percentage or a number of teachers that are out at any given time? We uh, we are very concerned um, because I mean, every day in every school we have teachers out, and we have a small sub pool. And right, because this a lot of subs didn't want to come back. Oh, un- understandably. Yeah. And so then, what uh, our principals are doing is piecing it together with people who perhaps maybe aren't classroom instructors, but they're a reading intervention teacher or they're a counselor. or And so we're getting adult bodies, um, licensed bodies in front of kids. To not keep, ideal. Not ideal at all. But then there's a breaking point to that. You d- you end up running out of human beings right. to be in front of kids. And so that is probably the most um, concern we have. Kids getting sick and having to go home, not ideal for them to miss a few days of school. But if we have Prolong- and, and a few of our schools are really hot right now. They're they're piecing it together, but we also know that w- how they've pieced it together the last couple of days is not sustainable. They they will not be able to do this for a prolonged for say two weeks for ten days. They they just can't function like that. You can do it for a couple of days. If that continues, where we have you know two dozen high school teachers out, mm-hmm. um, that could spark a school-wide break right? Um, for, hopefully, again, a short period of time before we can get uh, kids back in, in front of their teachers. Where are your hot spots? Um, our high schools right now, the, okay. east and west, um, that we have significant um, infection with kids um, and staff. Um, and, you know, with our staff, by and large part, those infections are breakthrough cases. Um, we have our our staff pers- vaccine rates are very high. Okay, um, which just tells you how um, tricky this variant is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a our we, we track infection rates in every building every single day. But um, whereas before the Christmas break, um, it was really our elementary schools that had a lot of infection with younger students. Were they masked up before the? At that time? When Elementary, they, yes. Oh, they were yep. still, okay. Yep, elementary's been masked up all year. Okay. Um, ever since September, and uh, as well as our middle schools. Okay. Um, but now that has really shifted where um, our high schools are, are seeing a lot of um, um, positive tests. And I, would, I wouldn't say that we're seeing a lot of severe illness. It's just that when students aren't feeling great, they go get a test or a staff member gets a test. By golly, that test is coming back positive. Okay, so you don't know percentages though in terms of how many teachers are out, for example. Well, you know it's so ten percent, twenty percent. Yeah, it's not. It's we're we're not at the 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 twenty percent range um, is, yet. Okay. But uh, again, if we're if if we see continued numbers of days where we don't have licensed personnel um, able to be in front of kids to teach, then we're gonna have to make another shift. Um, and we're just hopeful. That, that won't be for a prolonged period of time. You think of last year during that, uh, you know, right around the Thanksgiving and the holiday season, that distance learning was a, that was a bear cat just because yeah. it was so long. Right. Um, and trying to get a beat on community spread at that point. It, it sounds like, and we're sure hoping that the scientists, the predictions about how Omicron is going to come fast, but then leave just as quickly, 
um, we're hoping that that's true. Well, you know, in the past we've had flus, and I think they were maybe sometimes more virulent yep. until we got vaccines and things like that. And, and maybe this is just going to be, COVID's going to be a part of life, and it'll just be a matter of comes and goes just like anything else. Yep, and, and we're, um, we're, we're seeing those same things. And, um, and I think that our health offices, our, our health and safety um, department, will be prepared for that, to, to live with COVID within our schools. Mm-hmm. It's just these large numbers um, of, and, and then the continued guidance that if you have this, um, you got to be out of school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still waiting um, with bated breath to hear from the Department of Health about how we can pull off a five-day quarantine because we know that that's going to be, that's really important for families. It's important for kids to get back to school. Yeah, how do they get childcare in a lot right. of cases, yep. right? So, you know, whether it's a five-day and a test or a five-day and come back, um, we need to get that guidance from MDH. We need to get it um, clear, concise, and then get it up to families so they can make their plans here for the winter and, and early spring. Do the schools do the testing at all or, or is not there's not testing done at school or what what's the how do you what's the practice there? Yeah, so we have we have weekly testing available for kids and staff. Now, who does that? The school nurses? Right. So the, the test kits are available in our health offices. Um, it's a saliva test. So um, our students and staff can pick those up. Um, they'd return them the next day. We ship them off to the um, to the testing site, and then they get those results individually. So we're but it takes a little while, right? Yeah, it's a couple day. Okay. It's a couple day lag. You know, we we don't have we're not providing antigen or we're not conducting antigen testing or the rapid testing in our offices. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have on order thousands of those tests so that um, once they come in, we're able to give families that so they can do that at home and then are able to hopefully make a quicker decision about whether their kid can come back. How is the supply? Because we're hearing a lot of drugstores and things like that are basically the shelves are empty of some of those tests. Yeah. So school districts have, have great access through the okay. state, um, but it's but we're still waiting for them to show up. Um, oh, you know, okay. we've ordered them. It's just, and, and we know we're on their list. We're just, so hopefully, wa- yeah, we're waiting for all of these test kits to arrive. And, and we know that, I mean, families have said, hey, we, I've got my kid at home. We know he or she's in quarantine. We know we need to get a test. Um, they don't, and, and then it's going to a drugstore, going to their provider. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough to find those right now. And so people's patience is greatly appreciated. Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to find out there's going to be changes as we as this goes on and like I said a lot of schools I'm hearing on the news that are deciding now to go online and things like that and and I think initially in 2020 when you guys went online they weren't just prepared for it at all Mm -hmm. so I mean you've got the system in place infrastructure I guess in place now yeah we do um and even though that infrastructure is there we are gonna um hold out to the last um, <laughs> till to, to the last dog um, tells us that we just can't do this anymore yeah. um, to shut down a whole school. Um, if we can do it classroom by classroom, kid by kid, um, if people need to be gone a few days, that's fine. But we know that that has got a major effect, not just on learning, but on the psyche, on, on psyche, on families, mm-hmm. um, on work, um, on our greater community. When a school district makes a decision, we're going to shut down an entire school or God forbid, shutting down the district. Um, we do not have plans for that, and we're going to do everything we can to not um, to not allow that to happen. But, you know, we're going to have to see. How is retention going then? Because I'm sure some people decide maybe, well, we're going to have to do this in school. We're going to homeschool or right. whatever, or go to smaller school. How has that been? Yeah, so, so when um, 
when COVID-19 hit, our enrollments that first year, I mean, it was, <laughs> um, we, we took a drastic hit. You know, over 300 students um, chose either um, private school or, sure. like you said, homeschool or especially in those kindergarten classes, decided just, you know, we're going to wait. Gonna, we're going yeah. to wait. And so that was year one. This year, our enrollments have bounced back, but we're still, we're still down significant numbers, in our, especially in our kindergarten. Um, we anticipated that after a year of COVID, um, our kindergarten numbers would not only sustain, but they'd actually be a little higher because of all the students who um, waited out that that when they were five. Um, but that didn't that didn't come to pass. Our kindergarten numbers are down. Um, all of our other grade levels are pretty pretty close to what we were projecting. Okay. Um, and you know that's that's another effect of COVID, um, and we're, we're, it's going to take us multiple years to um, build back those enrollments to where they were. Uh, we've got uh, space in some of our schools to do that, but we also have elementary schools at our neighborhood schools, and some of those neighborhood schools are are busting at the seams because yeah. their enrollment didn't do anything. Their, their enrollment still is, is over the top. So um, we've got a little uh, strategic planning to, to do to address that. We're talking with Dr. Paul Peterson, the superintendent of Mankato Public Schools, uh, who is dealing a lot with a lot of things that a lot of other school districts throughout the state and, and the nation per, the, are dealing with as well. Another thing that's upcoming is you have an opening on the school board. One uh, person decided not to, to run again or is resigning or what's the case? Yeah, we did. At the, at the end of December, um, our former board chair and and then most recently a director, Darren Walker, mm -hmm. um, who was in his uh, first term on the board, had decided not to uh, to continue on through 2022. His his term was up uh, this coming November, or at the end of 2022. Okay. But for... Uh, personal and professional reasons decided that uh, he needed to be done and so that provided that's a that's a um, that's bad news for our board but also good news uh, that they sprung into action very quickly and started a process to uh, uh, receive applications and so they'll be making an appointment to the board at their next meeting Tuesday January 18th and I understand there's a lot of interest in that position. Right. Yeah. We, uh, the, we you, you never really know what you're going to get when you've got a, we had a two and a half week window where people could uh, receive the application, tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, and we had uh, 16 people wow. um, fill out the application. We actually had 17 people, two of which um, were deemed ineligible because they actually lived outside the school okay. district boundaries. And so we're at 15 candidates. Um, and the board received had a work session this past Monday night where uh, they talked about their parameters and the characteristics and what they're looking for in, in a in a contributing member to to the uh, board to fill out Darren's term. And so now the board has all the board members have those applications in their hands. Um, they'll be sharing with our board chair, who's Jody Sapp, their preferences as to you know people that uh, they would be um, interested in supporting. And then next Tuesday night, there'll be nominations and they'll vote. And um, very confident somebody in that mix is going to get the four votes needed to be appointed. And then they'll be seated at the meeting in February. So this is not a public vote, then. This is uh, appointed by the school board. So, right. This is. It's very rare. I mean, school <laughs> school boards don't typically pick their colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, they're picked by the voters. But because this is uh, um, an open seat, it's an interim, right? It's an, yep. It's a it's a one year. One year, if uh, whoever is selected, they can uh, decide to file for the four-year seat uh, this, want, this coming summer if they'd like, or if they just like this to be, uh, like you said, an interim, that will be up to them. And um, But once they are seated on the board, they're a full member, 
with um, they'll have their vote and um, they'll be put on committees and and we look forward to whoever that is helping us move our strategic roadmap and our work forward here in the next year. It's going to be a busy year. I was going to say being on the school board is probably different these days than it was in the past given all the uh, issues that you've had with COVID and that kind of thing. I I imagine some of them might be getting burned out as well. Uh, Our school board members um, here in Mankato, the greater Mankato area and across the state, can't say enough um, positive things about how they've kept their cool um, in very challenging times. Um, COVID, uh, you mentioned COVID, Karen, it has become for some people such a political issue. Right. Um, and so when things become politicized, um, the knives come out and um, people people sometimes don't show their best self. In our school boards, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know what that's all about in society, but that has been kind of the place where that angst has shown up um, throughout communities. And we're not uh, exempt to that. Our board has taken a lot. And so I think they're tired, but uh, they also um, have each other's backs. They don't always agree with each other. They, sure. they disagree. They've, they, everyone gets a vote, and they're proud of that. But they also um, have a, a team mentality um, that they got to stick together. Um, treat each other with respect and professionalism. And I think that's what they're looking for. Um, at least that's what they shared on Monday night um, when they were uh, starting to talk about the characteristics of their next colleague. Well, g- given the uh, difficulty that uh, years, I'm I'm amazed that you had six or that many people apply. So it's great to know that there are people out there that are willing to do that public service. Yeah, it was a, it was a great reminder of of the strong commitment that our community has to public education. Because on those applications, when you just simply ask the question, why do you want to serve on a school board? Um, you you are reaffirmed of the, 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 the goodness in people. They talk about their yeah. kids. They talk about it being really important. They, they enjoyed school and they want to give back to the community. Um, not not some of the silliness that sometimes we see on social media. Right. Um, it's it's about that greater good, and you know, in public education, it's about public. It's 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 community school, yeah. and uh, the board will make a good decision. I, I I know they will. Paul, what are some of the next big things that the school district is working on in terms of what I don't know. Pro- future projects or yeah. whatever. Yeah, there's there's a lot lots going on, and and um, I think that you know maybe in the next few months it'd be great if if we can talk a little bit about our uh, equity work, um, our okay. our uh, mm-hmm. racial equity work, but also equity across the whole spectrum um, um, within the school district that continues to take shape and take hold, um, not just at the board table, but throughout our system um, in classrooms and and in our buildings. But then another thing that 2022 is really going to um, challenge us with is um, how we address our facility needs. And, you know, we I think we've talked about that in, in previous programs here about engaging with our community about the need for elementary space. Right. Um, and our school board's going to have a big decision to make about uh, when the time will be for us to go out and ask our voters to um, uh, support a new elementary school. So um, that could be coming as early as August of this year, possibly in November, maybe early 23. But uh, the board's got to f- uh, figure that out, make a decision, and then make sure that the information is out there. Not only for an elementary school, but um, the West uh, Attendance Area doesn't have uh, a drop of uh, <laughs> water. You know, that, that swimming pool at West High School is defunct. Um, we got to figure out a solution for our scarlet swimmers. Um, and then a few other preschool early learning things. I think the, the uh, purchase of the 15-map drive, the old MRCI building, which will become an early learning center for our school district is going to be the, the way that we've been describing it. That will be a game changer 
for early learning in our communities um, at, in a hub for us to get those kids ready to roll for when they hit those kindergarten ages at five or six. All right. So lots of things in the pike, and uh, we'll be chatting with those in the next few months as you come back. We appreciate you taking your time out. We know you're very busy, and I'm sure your inbox is full. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Karen. Thank you so much. Dr. Paul Peterson, the Mankato School District Superintendent, it's always great to have you on. All right. It is 1026, and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio. Always great to have uh, the public servants that we have in our community to to visit with us and let us know what's going on and it's ever changing as we know